Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. Xi Jinping is a geopolitical superstar. He's been dominating the headlines since he became General Secretary of the Communist Party in 2012, and all the signs are that he'll remain one of the most powerful and widely discussed people in the world for at least another 10 years. Indeed, he's likely to remain newsworthy long after the political careers of Barack Obama, Donald Trump and Joe Biden have been relegated to history books. Outside of China, most people form their opinions about Xi Jinping based on what they see in the media. Today, we're going to talk about how his story is told. And I'm delighted that we're joined by a journalist who specializes in shifting through the propaganda and fake news to get to the facts. It's good to welcome back to the China in Context podcast, Howard Zhang, editor of the BBC's Chinese service. Thank you, Duncan. Howard, I'd like to start with a question relating to television. When we see Xi Jinping on television, he's often shown standing in front of several microphones. Even when he's being driven through the streets, there are four microphones in front of him at all times. Can you help us to understand the symbolism? What do the mics mean? Wherever the leader or the main speaker speaks, his voice is captured. And also, it's possible that the state broadcasters, for example, the state TV, state radio, and state online all want a original, uh, authentic line. I know Xi Jinping likes to give speeches, often very long ones. He's credited as the author of many books. What's your view of Xi Jinping's communication style? I guess the general impressions people have of him is uh, most of his appearances in public, as well as uh, speeches are all staged. One of his most famous appearances in his early days as the state president, as well as the uh, general secretary of the party, was his uh, uh, almost, almost appeared to be sudden, but actually managed appearance in a Beijing dumpling shop and uh, where the normal people, uh, you know, frequent. He went in and ordered, uh, you know, a plate of dumplings and a soup and, and that platter became eventually called uh, the presidential platter. And later on when foreign dignitaries visit Beijing, they will also go to the same restaurant and invited to have the same thing Xi Jinping had. And lots of uh, normal citizens would will, will, will do the same. And that became a almost managed media event. Also in his official speeches, he's also known for really, really long uh, speeches. One of the major party Congress speech he gave in 2017, he went on for 203 minutes. And uh, some international media commentator even joked, you know, some of these more senior party leaders, the uh, older, not senior, but older party leaders were literally fighting to, to stay awake. And uh, in recent years, uh, his communication, his speeches are more filled with what people perceive as combative uh, languages. Uh, for example, in March this year, in one of his speeches to uh, party leaders, he mentioned the word struggle 
Doujeng in, in Chinese means to fight or, or also invite 14 times. In another speech, 58 times. And uh, in recent, uh, in the, given the contact with recent tension with the US, he's also been uh, giving a lot of speeches and mentioning military preparedness and also demanding that the military is ready to fight, uh, ready to engage in the war and win the war. And uh, there were also a, a whole list of uh, international media and many, many media observers counting the times of how many times he mentioned the word fight or war. And uh, it, it's, I think that's the overall impression people have of him in terms of uh, communication style. Well, I can understand why many people might regard him as sounding quite belligerent then. When you look at the official Chinese sources, you must be faced with a bewildering amount of news about Xi Jinping, his thoughts, his activities. How do you sift through that to find the stories which you think are important and of value for the viewers and listeners of the BBC? Uh, I guess the, the, the most important skill any journalist covering China would be is to compare and uh, compare because the Chinese system has not changed you know albeit different leaders have different styles but the uh, the communist or the marxist leninist nature of the government of how they function have not changed one of the tricks i guess people do is to identify whether the latest speech this long 65 or 100 page speech got anything different or anything more important is to compare it with the speech whoever's in the position of president or general secretary gave five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago, because every five years there's a major party Congress. And by comparing the speech given the same occasion, you often find that the beginning and the end are all jargons and uh, cliches that they say all the time. And it's in the nuances in the middle the different bit, the different wordings are the ones that you use, you realize, okay, this may symbolize something, may signify something. Then we go to, of course, the scholars, the experts trying to get uh, reinforcement of what this actually means or interpretations of others. And that's how, I guess, for big political stories, you get uh, what you need. And also in for stories to do with society to do with the economy also you have to read through the lines trying to compare the data because uh, you know most experts would say it's very difficult to trust the chinese official source uh, uh, as a data source you just have to do lots of this comparison and uh, try to reference it around trying to get a common sense uh, story idea out of it Moving on, I'm interested in Xi Jinping's relationship with his wife. Now, she was famous long before she married him. She was a singer with the People's Liberation Army. You must see a lot of gossip about Xi's family life and his personal life. How do you decide what's credible and what's worth reporting? Mm, so far, I guess from my side of things, uh, we, we tend to steer clear uh, maybe that's the nature of BBC reporting. We still stay clear of uh, any gossip or uh, you know leaders' personal life reporting. That's just not something we can 
I don't. I, I challenge any journalist in the world, unless you've got firsthand accounts from a direct person involved in that relationship. It's very, very difficult to uh, ascertain the uh, veracity of, of the story. So we, we steer clear of that. But we do notice, do report on things. For example, uh, I think it was five years ago, if anybody remember, there was this Causeway Bay in Hong Kong uh, booksellers story, booksellers being kidnapped. And uh, out of the few kidnapped, one of them published a book exactly on the topic of Xi Jinping and his, you know, quote unquote, lovers. And uh, again, we, we have no knowledge and uh, cannot really comment on how true those stories were or how fictitious those stories were. But because his publishing house published that book, the person was hauled at that time illegally across the border and to mainland China and uh, until there was a forced in confession. And, uh, you know, that, that, that's the type of uh, sensitivity we're talking about. I'm going to invite you to speculate just a little now. Judging from what you've observed, how do you think Xi Jinping regards the press coverage of China written by journalists from other countries? Does it matter if China gets a bad press, provided it's receiving attention? Uh, again, I think that goes back to the perspectives. Uh, from observation and then from the treatment of the international media uh, received, I think in the early days of Xi Jinping's government, we were talking about post-2012, uh, when he first came in as general secretary and president, uh, international media had, I think, one or two years of relative uh, freedom. Well, I wouldn't say the freedom to do everything, but not as bad a situation as uh, they're having now. And uh, there, there was a sense, genuine sense, that the Chinese government were trying to win the uh, win favors or win the good attention from Western media to tell the China story. Xi Jinping uh, famously told Chinese media that they, they should go out and also tell the success stories of China, to tell the China story well. And that's all in public knowledge. And uh, so I can only assume that was the same intention the Chinese uh, government were inviting lots of journalists uh, from international media organizations to visit China. They've, uh, uh, you know, organized uh, paid junkets for journalists to go to different areas, and uh, so there was a lot of that. But in recent years, especially since the the Trump years, uh, President Trump year, when there's a major kind of eruption of uh, rupture of relations between US and China since the trade war. And uh, it seems now more and more that whoever's in charge of uh, the Chinese uh, press control and uh, people seems to be having the sense that it's almost useless trying to gain uh, any positive attention of international media anymore and uh, last year and all the way into this year during the uh, Hong Kong protests during um, you know, lots of controversial moments we've seen uh, 
major international news organizations, uh, journalists in, in China, the, the likes of New York Times, Wall Street Journal, you know, the BBC, all got journalists, you know, whether it's kicked out or forced out, uh, whatnot. So whether that was directly from Xi Jinping's order, we don't know, but you, you feel the, uh, the whole attitude is shifting and uh, the strategy of dealing with international media is shifting as well. The Chinese state media often emphasizes Xi's role as the national military chief. He supervised a major overhaul of China's armed forces. What do you make of that process? If you ask uh, experts, which we've interviewed in the past, I think there are essentially two sides to this story. Uh, yes, he's uh, reformed the structure of the Chinese military, put a lot more emphasis on uh, what, what you call it, the more modernized warfare side of things, uh, missiles, uh, you know, uh, ballistic missiles, and space force, uh, drones and essentially leaving the more conventional land-based uh, warfare model to the side and put a lot more money into the navies and air forces and, and, and space forces for sure. And he's also reorganized the old uh, Soviet style kind of Chinese military districts into the more US uh, sort of style integrated uh, commands, you know, each command will have its complete control of all the possible uh, armed forces within, you know, its air force and navy and then all in one, under one command. And he's divided into uh, several commands. Before the, the Chinese military would run more like along the Soviet style, you got the army, you got the air force, you got the navy. Each of them uh, had a line of control. So uh, he's done a lot of that. Uh, but many experts, besides modernizing the military, many, many do point to, you know, during this process, there was a lot of purging. So, uh, so people do point to uh, ulterior motives besides modernizing the military and also to uh, get rid of potential political rivals uh, or supporters of political rivals and to maintain, uh, to exert more control over the military itself. So uh, those are overall, I guess, uh, the impression we got from Xi Jinping's years over his control of the military. Can you finish this conversation by giving us your view of how China has changed under Xi Jinping? Kevin Rudd, the former uh, Prime Minister of Australia, said once that Xi Jinping essentially put a stop to all the uh, political reforms or any sense of Deng Xiaoping's reform. Uh, and many are suspecting that he is ideologically driven. He actually believes in the Marxist-Leninist ideology and uh, many of the things he's doing, punishing private enterprises and uh, you know, stopping uh, the expansion of the private sector and trying to reintroduce almost sense of planned economy and lots of things he's doing. He is trying to take China back into the more orthodoxy of communism. 
And that's what many are seeing. And uh, of course, many are seeing this with horror. Uh, all the uh, economic achievements developments in China achieved over the past 40 years. I think the great majority of experts would uh, attribute that to uh, economic liberalization rather than plan the economy. And uh, so now, besides not having any more political liberalization, we're, we're, we're seeing even the eco economic side backsliding into a more communist uh, orthodoxy. And that's, I guess, the overall impression the world is actually seeing in front of us. Thank you, Howard. That was Howard Zhang, China editor of the BBC. This podcast is produced by the SOAS China Institute, and you can find out more about our activities, including our latest courses and research, on our website. The website is SOAS, that's S-O-A-S dot A-C dot U-K. Alternatively, you can type SOAS China Institute into a search engine, and it should pop up straight away.